Forgotten Cinema is getting romantic for our eighth season and just in time for Valentine's Day as we cover the 90s ensemble drama Beautiful Girls. We'll then do a complete 180 as we dive into some spy films, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy and Spy Game. We'll find out why white men can't jump and whether you should shoot to kill while enjoying a Frankenweenie. Nope, that doesn't make any sense. You know what else doesn't make sense? This season will also feature our 100th episode of Forgotten Cinema. Feels like 100 years. Don't I know it. Forgotten Cinema. Never stop, never stopping. Yes, that's a hint. Part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Attention, culture consumers. Join me, the queen of queries, Sarah O'Connor, and my band of nerdy knights. Colleen McMillan. Flo Siegel. And Anders Drew. On Bohemian Geek Studies, where we take extremely dorky dives into our favorite fandoms especially that Star Wars galaxy far, far away. Listen each week as we examine the stories that mean so much to us. Bohemian Geek Studies is available wherever you get your podcasts and is proudly part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Cracking One Open with Mike. Hey, and Elise. I'm Mike. And I'm Elise. Just in case you had any questions, in case you swapped yeah, roles. Yeah, in case it was unclear. We are still... We did not Freaky Friday. Yeah, we're still the same. We tried. <laughs> Hit our heads pretty bad. We were out for a couple days, but we're back. No Freaky Friday happened. Womp womp. It's all right. Eh. You don't want to be me? I mean, yeah. I guess. <laughs> I, I got a pretty good idea of what it's like <laughs> by now. You're just going to have like fourth song stuck in your head years, for yeah. eight, eight weeks in a row. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome to this fantabulous episode. I believe this is episode 70, correct? It is. Ooh, we're so close to the big one hundo. Mm-mm. We got to do something special for Three that. Three more months. Mm-hmm. We'll do a live episode from a really noisy bar. Uh-oh. Where you can barely understand. I'm just kidding. Yeah. When, when we have enough money to get a profesh microphone like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Here, Here we, we are. are. Episode 70. About to drink some beer. Beer Fester, hit me with today's lesson. All right. So this week, we are cracking open Unwind, a happy pilsner from Offshoot Beer Co. in Placentia, California? Placentia? Let me let me get your two cents on this. It's too close to placenta for my taste. It is a little too close to placenta <laughs> for mine, but I would say pl- placentia, placentia, California. Okay, yeah. All right, so I'm sticking with that. So, <laughs> kind of like Night Shift, uh, which is the brewery we talked about last week when we featured Fluffinity. <laughs> Sorry, that's my owl. <laughs> that was not an owl. There I we go. I know. I caught first. Uh, so. This brewery is also just one piece of a bigger puzzle. Offshoot Beer Co. actually is an offshoot of another brewery called, drumroll please, The Brewery. (laughs) It's spelled B-R-U-E-R-Y. That's the kind of shit I would call my brewery. (laughs) Okay, hear me out. The brewery was founded by Patrick Rue and his last name is spelled R-U-E. Oh. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's That's, that's more why. clever than why I would call mine the brewery, because <laughs> I would do mine just to be dumb. I guess that has an actual reason. 
<laughs> anyway, it was founded in 2008. And this is from their website. Quote, it was uh, Patrick's passion and insatiable curiosity that led him to open a brewery, build a team of world class like minded brewers and eventually earn the title of Master Cicerone. The unique combination of unwavering creativity, unquestionable expertise, and relentless innovation drive us to craft beers that, quite frankly, might change the way you might think about beer. End quote. Ooh. Mm -hmm. I don't think so, but okay. Well, again, hear me out. So (laughs) a big part of their philosophy at the brewery is taste over style. Their beers are inspired by the culinary world traditional beer styles, natural ingredients, vineyards, and even junk food. So taste over style, what I took away from that means that they're not really aiming to produce certain types of beer or rather to have a certain range of beer types available at any one time. It's really just dependent upon what taste they find inspiration in. And then the beer, whatever beer lent whatever type of beer lends itself to that flavor is then born from that idea so i think that's pretty cool in 2015 the brewery expanded to include a co-brand called the brewery tarot in anaheim california which is the facility slash tasting room where they moved all of their sour beer production and the brew whereas the brewery continues to craft non-sour and spirit barrel-aged beers at its original site in Placentia, California. Placentia. <laughs> and then in 2017, Offshoot Beer Co. was born in order to specialize in hoppy beers packaged in 16-ounce uh, four-packs, <laughs> released in limited supply from the brewery for fresh enjoyment. And this is because right from the get-go... Uh, with the brewery, Patrick Rue made a promise never to brew an IPA. But as time went on, the brewers there knew they could make a world-class hop-forward beer, so Offshoot was born. They say, quote, Sure, we could talk about hop profiles, malt bills, and yeast strains, and delicate food pairings, but right now, we'd rather just relax and drink one. So Offshoot is basically the outlet for the brewers at the brewery to brew the beers that they want to drink when they're off the clock in sunny Southern California. Must be nice. It's 18 degrees here right now. And we're covered in snow and ice. And there's more coming tomorrow. Yep. I didn't ask you this, man. I didn't ask to be born here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So... Unwind is one of Offshoot's year-round offerings. It clocks in at 5.7 ABV and has an IBU rating of 40, which definitely puts it at the higher end of the IBU scale as far as Pilsners go. They generally range from 20 to 40. So the perceived bitterness in this Pilsner will be on the, the stronger the side. highest that it can be. <laughs> and they did not give an SRM, but based mm. on the IBU rating, we can kind of estimate that it'll pour a like a straw yellow maybe a little bit darker than what you might expect a pilsner just because it is on the higher end of the ibu scale okay, for that style okay, okay i'm liking that you're trying to put some logic into into your srm guesses i'm, I'm yeah, liking this i'm liking this i'm trying so offshoot describes unwind like this 
quote, rest and relaxation is time well-deserved, yet not often enough taken. Decompress and take it easy with Unwind, a casually crushable hoppy pilsner. Clean and crisp notes on the palate with a bright citrus and tropical hop finish create a seriously cheersable accompaniment to another hard day's work. So offshoot brewed Unwind with two row and wheat malts, global yeast, which is apparently just an all-around solid lager strain of yeast that produces clean beers with a very low ester profile. Makes sense why it's called Global Yeast then. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. As well as Citra, Simcoe, Nelson Salvin, and Sterling Hops. Sterling? Yeah, it wasn't on the can or on the description of the can at the liquor store, but it was on Offshoot's website. Gotcha. So when I, I said like, Sterling there, can you add uh, Jessica Walters doing it from Archer? I was just going to. Th- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Citra hops are most often used for aroma. They impart notes of grapefruit, melon, lime, gooseberry, passion fruit, lychee, and mango. But let's be real. It's mostly grapefruit. <laughs> yup. <laughs> Citra can be used very carefully for bittering, but a lot of brewers advise against it because the combination of high alpha acids and low cohumulone (laughs) tend to send the brew way overboard in terms of bitterness. I'd like that. It's true. It's not, it's not, (laughs) well, in in a bad way. (laughs) Uh, So Simcoe hops have a lot of those bright citrus flavors along with the earthy undertones, a lot of grapefruit, pine, and herbs. They're super versatile and used in many different types of beer to complement the other hops that are being used as well. Because of Simcoe's high alpha acid content and relatively low cohumulone levels, it makes it a good foundational bittering hop. Its nickname is Cascade on steroids, and it's very often used in conjunction with Cascade, Centennial, Chinook, and Citra, just for that extra punch. So... Simcoe is used for its aroma qualities because it has that nice balance between being pleasantly fruity and earthy and piney. It's a really solid dual purpose hop. And as I mentioned before, it can be used in pretty much anything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> we can find it in IPAs, double IPAs, India Black Ales, India Red Ales, Barley Wines, Amber Ales, Amber Stouts, American Porters, American and Belgian Wheat Beers, and Lagers. But my question is, why aren't mm-hmm. we seeing more red ales? That's true. I do love my reds, my ambers. I'm, I really miss that tilted kilt red ale. It yeah, so good. that was good. Not that they don't make it anymore. We don't know. Our tilted kilt closed around yeah. us. Rent was too high in the building. Womp womp. It was good though. Oh, that was good. It was a good red ale. Anyway, Nelson Salvin hops. Uh, we we actually just had another beer made from Nelson Salvin from Tribus. We did. And it was so good that honestly, when I saw Unwind was made with the same hop, that was just like the clincher for me. It was right in the basket. <laughs> so Nelson Salvin's name is derived from the Sauvignon Blanc wine grape that this hop reminds so many people of in its similar flavor and aroma. It was developed in the Nelson region of New Zealand and released in 2000. And while it has been a very popular among craft breweries and home brewers for its eccentric characteristics, it is a little too weird to find its place in big beer. Well, it's fine because we don't like big beer. It's true. (laughs) (laughs) Say big beer. It's popular in American style pale ales. But apparently it's a hop that you need to work with very carefully. 
one of my go-to hop resources stated specifically that it, quote, requires prudent and discerning application in brewing, but they didn't really explain why. Because it's really strong. And get my guess is from the Tribus beer we had that ha- uses it. Mm-hmm. It's really easy to go from, hey, that's good, to, whoa, Oof. that is too much. Because it yeah. is like this bittery grape taste. Yeah. It really is like almost mixing white wine with your beer. Mm-hmm. So you definitely have to be careful when you have that kind of combination because no one wants to pour wine in their beer. Yeah. No one's making. You don't want to tip that scale. No one's making. I mean, you make barley wine, but that's completely different than like actually pouring like your Sauvignon Blanc into an IPA. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So my guess is that's why, because it is very whiny. It is very much a Sauvignon Blanc taste. So Nelson Sauvignon hops are described as rich and fruity with flavors of white wine. Go figure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Crushed gooseberry, lychee passion fruit and whispers of melon gooseberry also- sounds like goose poop i'm sorry like i oh, can't goose- taste the word gooseberry very, very gooseberry seriously. just reminds me of something that would come out of a dr seuss story oh i buy that okay. <laughs> okay um it can also be mildly peppery which i haven't found but maybe we just haven't found a beer that brings that out yeah it's weird yeah. So I also found a list of beers that Nelson Salvin is used in. And there's quite a few on that list that use Nelson exclusively. Um, and we were just talking the other week about what is it about a certain hop that makes it able to be the star of of the show? Oh, single use hops. Yep. Yeah. So I'd love to try one of those beers. And actually, Evil Twin is one of the breweries that did a single hop beer with Nelson Salvin. I just don't know how long ago, or if it's still available. I highly doubt it at this point. Last but not least, we've got Sterling Hops. These were Sterling? (laughs) They were the result of a breeding program specifically aiming to overcome Saz's susceptibility to mildew. Saz was really popular, but because of that susceptibility, supply was sporadic, which resulted in big price hikes. So it took eight years to develop uh, Sterling before it was released in 1998. And brewers finally had a more reliable slash easier to grow alternative to Saz, which is one of the four original noble hops that has been around forever. I was going to say, have we ever had anything with Saz? Yes, we have. Sterling has a delicately spiced citrusy aroma with both a floral and herbal punch. It can be used for both bittering and aroma and is best suited to pilsners, lagers, and saisons where the subtlety of its aroma won't be overshadowed. So that makes me really excited for this beer. I don't know about you. I could drink. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's do it then. Okay. Pink. And through the magic of editing, we're back. Did we go somewhere? (laughs) Not that you know of. Oh my God. All right. So we're back. We're ready to crack it open. Yeah. And a one. And a two. (laughs) Oh, crap. Okay. Through the magic of editing, we're back again Again. after some... Technical difficulties yeah. of the beer kind. Yep. If we, if this was a TV show, we would have had the. Boo. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> if we were, if this was like a YouTube show, this would be when we go. Oh, do 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 do. Go over me, Panema playing. Yep. yep, absolutely. So our beers exploded. Yeah, I don't know why. Elise was smart, and she put hers in her cup to let it explode into the cup, and I let it just <laughs> dribble all dribble over. all over me. 
instead of our couch that we record on. So I let it get all this over poor me. couch. And then I looked over at Elise and she was doing the smart thing while I was getting soaked and had to change clothes. I'm but now we're in, back. I'm now in my pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, let's... um. We've got the beer poured out. It is indeed a... Uh, it's actually a lot hazier than I would have expected for a Pilsner, but it yes. is the, the same color I was expecting. Uh, it might be. It's tough because it's hazy. It, I was going to say it might be a tad darker, mm-hmm. but you're right. Because it's hazy, mm-hmm. that might be making it seem darker than if it was clear. Yeah. So, yes. Although I wouldn't expect a hazy Pilsner. So this is exactly. Not. That's why it threw me off a little bit. But the one thing you can smell right off the bat, and I can tell you because I smell like it now, <laughs> is you can smell those Savin hops. Yep. They're strong with this one in a good way. It really doesn't smell like a Pilsner at all. No, that I'm very intrigued as to what this is going to taste like. And the the head on it is also very interesting. It's not the lacy head that you would expect it's frothy. Yeah. And the top of the cans where the it kind of bubbled over and the froth is still on there mm-hmm. is like solid almost. It's a really weird, solid, very frothy seafoam. It's like seafoam. It is. Yeah, you're that's, right. That's what it's like. That's a yeah. very good comparison. It's like seafoam on here. Um, so I'm, I'm really curious. So let's uh let's cheers. Cheers. And see let's dig in what this Pilsner that smells like an IPA tastes like. Uh Weird, but really, really good on the first sip. That that Nelson Savin is coming through strong. Like I get it all the way through. You have a very hard think face on. I was gonna say it's not a pilsner, but then I'm realizing yeah. the can says hoppy pills like straight up. Yep. So I'm like, no. It it is. It, it has the mouthfeel of a pilsner. So it is, but it's just much hoppier than you. It is, yeah, really hoppy. It just doesn't taste like a pilsner. Yeah, I would even say go as far as go. This is not Pilsner. If you're looking for a Pilsner, <laughs> you're going to be surprised. Yeah. This is not for you. If you like IPAs and you're looking for an easy drinking kind of session IPA. Oh, but then that this is- does something a little different. This is close to that. Yeah, because this is it's only 40 IBU. Mm-hmm. So it is it does have a little bit of a bite to it, but not much. Yeah, like, it's not super hoppy. It's, if- it's not your typical IPA hoppy like what you would expect if you were like all right i want a new england ipa it's not gonna be that hoppy yeah if i gave this to my mom <laughs> she's not gonna be like ah, ah. She, yeah but she might be a little bit like that she's definitely not gonna be like oh, okay it's definitely gonna be a little hoppy for like mm-hmm. her because she doesn't like beer at all although i have her try everything that when we go out to dinner i have her try <laughs> it's <everything>. very amusing <laughs> uh but she would taste the bitterness on this yeah and that's interesting and the fact that it doesn't have that clean finish to it it's very dirty <laughs> but dirty in like a wine kind of way you know what i mean like yeah. that sauvignon really and that's really what i think out. your mom would still appreciate about this because we we both love our our white wine well my mother loves wine yes of all of all varieties really mm-hmm. but i don't know i wonder if that would make her more inclined to she'd want to try it yeah yeah would she like it i don't know would she have liked the Tribus one? Maybe this one. I think she would. Mm. Yeah, definitely the Tribus. The, the Tribus, Tribus one. one was more focused on trying to be a Sauvignon Blanc wine. Mm-hmm. This is more focused on trying to be a Pilsner you've never had before. Yeah, which which it is. I commend because yeah, I always <laughs> talk about the show like I'm so bored of all these beers being the same copy paste. Yeah, this really is something unique, and it makes me really want to try more from. 
not just offshoot, but the brewery, which sadly, I don't know if the brewery distributes in Connecticut the way the offshoot does. That is the brewery, the second the second offshoot they've made, like stripped to Connecticut, but the main one not. I don't know. I didn't. Well, yeah, that's I'll, crazy. I'll have to, to look me. into it, but because their volume's got to be smaller than the main brewery. Otherwise, it's a weird business practice. Although it just goes to show you how popular IPAs would be then. Yeah. If this is their IPA brewery. It's the third brewery they opened. Mm-hmm. And this is the one that gets this far. But they opened this brewery specifically for hoppy beers, IPAs. No, that's that, what I'm saying. That yeah. wouldn't be say featured. Yeah. The brewery said, we're never going to do an yeah. IPA. And they don't go all over the contiguous United <laughs> States. Yeah. You know, I, I love Connecticut. And I think we have an amazing craft beer scene. Yes. But I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think any other state other than maybe New York, New Jersey, and Massachusetts, because we're their suburb, mm-hmm. <laughs> really ever <laughs> thinks about us as a state. A lot like Rhode Island. It's true. We're, we're too, probably we're tiny. the last one people think about. Yep. Yeah. Because we're so tiny. So if they ship here, they've got to ship everywhere else, I would imagine, within the contiguous United States. Uh, it seemed. Or close to. Limited from what I saw online. Yeah. So I don't see how the brewery would also it said ship 30, here. I think it said 30 states, but I don't know how old pretty impressive. that number was. Right. It is really interesting. I don't know if it, I don't know if something I would have constantly. No, but I feel like this is something that I would be okay with like always having in the fridge. Like something that if we didn't want something weird or. This is weird though. <laughs> Not as weird as what we usually have. We we have so many like onesie and twosie beers left from previous episodes because they were so like unique. They're that, hard to have a dinner. Yeah. Yeah. This I feel like we would go through. I don't know. It's it's interesting. I think what helps is the fact that it's the Savignon taste mm-hmm. and a beer taste. And that happiness really people, marries it. Yeah. And a lot of people eat. You know, food with sav- while drinking a Sauvignon, while mm-hmm. drinking a regular beer, especially a Pilsner. Especially a Pilsner. So this really, this combination really helps. This marriage really helps in terms of finding a beer that you can chill out and eat and, and drink this beer while also kind of feeling fancy that you're drinking a craft beer. Yeah. Being like, <laughs> I got my Sauvignon Blanc hobby pills. <laughs> it's different than a regular Pilsner guy. No, you enjoy your bud or whatever it is. Um... I mean, not there's anything wrong with the regular straight Pilsner either. I mean, a lot of craft breweries make amazing Pilsner. It's true. But I don't know if this is something I would unwind with. This is something I enjoy. This is something I would have at a brewery. This is something I would even say I would have at a brewery every time I'd go. As like a, a backup, like a solid like go-to, like, all right, I'll try the- I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this weird one now that yeah. I haven't seen before in the menu. And then I'll and go And then I'm going to go back to the unwind. Yep. Absolutely. So I guess in that case, it's an unwind. I just don't know about literally coming home from a day from work and being like, I need an unwind right now. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, I don't know. I feel like by the end of this class, it's going to grow on both of us more. (laughs) Maybe. It's not not growing on me because like I said, I can see this being my mainstay at a brewery Mm -hmm. or a bar. It's tough to pinpoint the taste of this beer. It really is. You're right. And what it is, because at the same time, we keep talking about this Sauvignon Blanc taste. I get a lot of this, the the Sauvignon immediately gives way to this flaked oats mm-hmm. that we get in a lot of our cervezas that we drink and some of our, our Pilsners that we were drinking during the summer. Okay. So that must be either the two row or the wheat malt. I would imagine. Yeah. yeah. Probably the wheat malt would be my guess, but it really gives way to that, which is a really good summertime flavor. But mm-hmm. 
I'm trying to pinpoint where I would drink this. It doesn't while really. Un, while like, I'm unwinding, I'm trying to. Oh, what's the what's the word for it? I'm trying to visualize. No, de, not decompress or decompose. De, decompose. I'm trying to deconstruct the unwind title. Okay. It's like unwind. I would absolutely unwind at a brewery with this. Yeah. But we'll get to the can. Would I unwind at a beach with this? Would I unwind at a dinner a picnic party with this? A deck party? Uh, a backyard party in the summertime? A barbecue? Maybe at a barbecue. I could, but would I? When presented with other options, cervezas, regular lagers and regular pilsners. True. Uh, sessions, uh, kolsches. Would this be something I would want to go to in the summertime? This almost makes me curious as to what other pilsners out of California are like. The Nelson Savin hops aside, are their pilsners more likely to be on the hoppier end than they are over here? I doubt it. I think pilsners are mostly the same. I mean, mm. I think it there's probably a difference also between... depends on whether it's Southern or Northern California, because Southern California is probably more. Exactly. You're talking a state Cerveza. that's the size yeah. of some most countries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The West Coast has a West Coast IPA. The East Coast has an East Coast IPA. Mm -hmm. There's a New England IPA. There are IPAs. There are pale L's. There mm -hmm. are so many different styles of IPA. But no one has gone East Coast and West Coast Pilsner. So I think they're just doing something very different with a Pilsner. Yeah. Which works. It's great. I'm just trying to wonder where it goes on wine. I'm trying to make it interesting by trying to deconstruct the name because <laughs> clearly I had an idea about it. But I think the use of that the Sauvignon hop really brings something different to the table yeah, and makes absolutely. it this IPA Pilsner. So it is very drinkable. I yes. will say that. And it's, it is refreshing, mm -hmm. but not as refreshing as a Pilsner because it is very hoppy. I feel like the hoppier the yeah, beer, the drier the beer in general, like it'll dry you out a little quicker. Mm -hmm. And it is also still 5.7. So pushing 6% is not as extremely crushable as other pilsners. Right. And it's not as push, uh, crushable as a, a session IPA, mm -hmm. but it is still quite drinkable. It's very crisp. Mm -hmm. That's It's very crisp. Very that, crisp. That is one thing I will give to it in terms of the summer vibe mm -hmm. is that the crispness of that, the Savion grape type flavor and the pilsner really mm -hmm. like a, ah. on my tongue. Yeah. It's not refreshing. But it is super, super cooling, I think. Mm -hmm. Or at least my brain thinks it is. <laughs> Which is half the battle is tricking your brain into thinking your <laughs> temperature. Uh, I think that really works for it. I think it's got the perfect carbonation, too. Yes, for sure. Dances on my tongue a little bit. Doesn't go too much. I don't feel like I'm going to burp right after I drink it. You seem very on the fence, but leaning towards really liking no, it. No, I do really. Like I said, it'd be a mainstay brewery beer. I just don't know... It's the packaging that I don't know about. Okay, because, so so it's the message that it's sending that. Okay, well so let's let's, let's talk the about can the can then, and we yeah. can go back to the beer. So the can is pretty simple but pretty fun. I actually really like the can. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that's what draw you to it mm -hmm. for sure. Super California vibes or summer vibes. Half the can is light blue. Half the can is a sandy sand color. Mm -hmm. uh, the sand is obviously got a little misshapenness to it because it is the sand. You're at the beach and. Some guys in a folding chair, chilling on the beach with sunglasses on. You see him from the back in this folding chair. He's got a little blow up life raft thing on the side of him. And he was obviously chilling, reading a book. And he's just looking up at the sun with his sunglasses on. Mm -hmm. In the very background, you see either a shark fin or a wave. 
I'm pretty sure it's a shark fin. I think it's I a like shark that. fin. Yeah, I'd like so to you think it's see a the shark ocean, fin. You see the shark fin. And then the un- it's all in very 1950s kind of cartoon font. It is, So the yeah. unwind is there, kind of like non-uniform, just going. It says Hoppy Pills on the bottom in smaller font. Offshoot Beer Company logo is the sun. It's this mm-hmm. darker orange circle. And the writing is very just bizarre. Very Panera Bread on their walls kind of a thing. <laughs> <clears throat> But like overall, the the lines are so clean and the the colors are mostly very simple. There's not a lot of shading. No, it's very cartoony. It's very yeah. like a Pixar movie, like but like it done is. as a 2D yep. version. Yep. And then on the left side of the can, you get this offshoot beer company logo, which is the sun a little bit more set and you get unwind in the sand. And it says you earned this hoppy pills, <laughs> which is nice. It's really interesting can art. And then on the side. You've obviously got Hoppy Pilsner, 5.7 alcohol by volume, one pint. The government warning, brewed and canned by Offshoot Beer Company in Placentia, California, from your friends at the brewery. And it's got the actual, the brewery logo. So they do kind of harken back to the brewery. I'm sure mm-hmm. all their other breweries do as well. Yeah. Uh, that's what, that's where my confusion lies is I think of it more, this is a brewery beer to me. Yeah. I can see me drinking this at home. I don't know if it's like right after I come back from work, but at night when I'm like, I want something Weird, but still refreshing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> weird and still refreshing. But that's the thing is a lot of the Unwind. weirder beers that we have that I love. Our fridge right now has a lot of, you know, spicy beer that I like or stouts that I really like mm-hmm. that are kind of weird. And I got to go through those. But like those are like a once in a while kind of a thing. Exactly. And they're not like an all the time. Not that stouts aren't all the time, but the weird stouts are. Yeah. This Unwind is more. I could have this all the time, but it's. I, this is my second beer. This is my weird beer. This isn't my, I just came home. Let me have something. Like we talked about earlier, we bought a whole case of Torpedo. I think we've t- mentioned on the cast before, we bought a whole case of Sierra Nevada Torpedo. Just as like something neutral-ish to a have in the neutral-ish IPA to have in the fridge. In the fridge yeah. Where when we come home and it's just like, I want a beer. I don't want to Yeah, because like I just said, we, ha- we have so many onesie and twosie weird beer. Yeah, which are great. That's our show and we love exactly. them. That's why we do the show. But every once in a while you want something more normal. This is toes the line to the point where yes. I'm going to have this second. Okay. But I still really like it. And again, if I'd go to the brewery, if like, let's say Offshoot Beer Company was two roads, a brewery we go to all the time, mm-hmm. or Thimble Island or something close by, or Tribus. Like if Tribus still had their Sauvignon Blanc, I would go there and I would oh, probably get- I'm so sad get we didn't buy more of that. One, every time I went to the brewery to get one on tap. Yeah. But at the liquor store, would I go out to buy it every time to have it at home? I don't know. Okay. But that, I would have it every assessment. time I went to the brewery. Yeah. So no, that's kind of like that. where it's like, mm. like, do you want to commit to a four pack? Not necessarily. But when you go to the brewery or out to a restaurant and you see it on the draft list, you're going to have it. I'm going to. Ha- yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. That's what I'm like. <laughs> and I think it's that grapiness. It's that weird. I'm a wine. I'm a beer mm-hmm. combination. So I think maybe that's why I find this slightly more enjoyable than you do, because I do love my white wine. As much as I love my beer, not as much as I love my beer, but <laughs> I think that's what makes me appreciate this just a little bit more. I don't not appreciate it. I just. Oh, no, I'm not saying that you don't. I'm saying I think I like it more than you do. You could crack this open right away mm-hmm. on a, a, and this would be your unwind beer. Yeah. You can say, OK, this is like, again, I don't not like this beer. I do really like it. And I could definitely crack open the other one right now if I wanted to mm-hmm. or, you know, get another four pack and be cool with it. It's just. When I would have it and how I would have it. And that could it's also different. be the fact that I don't live in California. Mm-hmm. It's not warm all the time here. Yeah. 
I really don't think about drinking white wine on the beach either. Mm-hmm. Or that white wine grape. I don't associate like that white wine grape taste with beach. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. That no, that, that's fair. I didn't think about it that way. You know, when we go out in the summertime, a lot of the times it's now I'm drinking crisp beers. Or tiki or drinks. sessions or tiki drinks. <laughs> uh, especially tiki drinks. Master mixologist Mikey over <clears> here. <throat> so, yeah, I, I just don't know if I associate that white wine flavor with unwinding mm-hmm. as much as I associate it with dinner, with just wanting wine every once in a while. You know, every once in a while I'll be like, what do you got? And I steal your glass and I take a sip yeah. of your wine. Like every once in a while <laughs> just, I want wine. Just checking. Hey, <laughs> do I like this? <laughs> I like wine and I do. And, you know, we had a wine subscription box for a long time. It's true. We only canceled it because of the pandemic and not knowing what our finances would be. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we filled up our wine racks, we got to catch up. Legit. Yeah, it's full. <laughs> so once we fill up, I'm sure we'll go back to getting some kind of wines. Mm-hmm. It's just how I feel about wine in terms of my unwinding. I love a yeah. wine, but I feel like a wine is complex. A wine is something you analyze. It's something you taste. It's something that I don't unwind with a wine like you do. You always crack open a wine when you come back from work. Mm-hmm. That's your first go to. Mm-hmm. Wine for me is something that I want to sip slowly, that I want to taste that I want to analyze every little bit of it in like a douchey way. Cause I feel like <laughs> that's how my mind has been programmed to be like, wine should be sophisticated and appreciated. Even yeah. if it's not a sophisticated wine, it should still be appreciated. Sophisticatedly. But you also, you also gravitate toward <clears throat> red wine, which I feel like is, is more complex. And I don't, I mean, mm, not, yeah. not that, I mean, I think not that's that more white f- wine is like simple, but I think that's more marketing. I think yeah. that's just how, especially women have been marketed to probably in terms of like, Hey, get this white sweet wine. And so like every white wine is now thought of as being this Moscato barefoot. Yeah. Moscato or Riesling or Chardonnay or Pinot Gris. Like, yeah, it's all, it's, it's, it's marketed to be these sweet white water juices. Yeah. Yeah. So you're drinking a juice box and, and I feel like that does white wine at a service for, and you actually have something that's, really good in terms of wine. Oh, like that one from Uruguay that we can't find anymore. Exactly. Ugh, or so any good. of the wines by knocking point that we were having. Mm-hmm. Or you just got wine from the uh, Wine and Crimes podcast as well. Yes. It's like there are wines that like even white wines, they put the same amount of effort into it. Yeah. It's just the way they're marketed. So now red wines are kind of considered the guy wines. And those mm-hmm. are the complex ones because guys want to find all that stuff like they do their whiskeys and stuff like that. Mm. But I don't think it's any different with the white wines, much like the Sauvignon Blanc. Mm-hmm. So when I drink a Sauvignon Blanc, I am I feel like I'm programmed by marketing to want to like think it's fancier and it's not a relaxing beer. It's a fun, but still educational, interesting beer where I'm trying to analyze it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I love bourbon, but every time I sit down and have bourbon, I'm like, that's a cask note. That's the vanilla note. That's this note. That's that note. Mm-hmm. And same with scotch and stuff like that. It's like always trying to analyze it. But overall, it's really good. And again, the Sauvignon Blanc hop really, what, what's the it, actual hop called? Okay, I'll just call Sauvignon. Nelson Sauvignon. Nelson Sauvignon. Nelson, Nelson Sauvignon. Is really interesting. And it's really cool to have a Pilsner that's also a IPA. Yeah. Again. This is an extremely unique beer. It's try it's touching on three big points here. It's hoppy, it's pilsner, and it's somehow wine. <laughs> yeah. I really like what they're doing. And as much as I'm I really don't want to seem like I'm poo-pooing it because I think you think I'm poo-pooing it sometimes. I just want to try to find out its place in like my beer schedule. <laughs> but I do love this beer. I mean, 
<laughs> You've caught up to me because I'm talking too much, but I, I drank a ton of it real quick. Mm-hmm. I do really like this beer. Whatever didn't pour out onto your pants. I did lose a lot on my pants. It is really nice, really crisp, really interesting and different. And that's what I'm looking for beer. That's what we're looking for beer. And if you're listening to this podcast, that's what you're looking for in a beer. It's true. So I'd absolutely say try this offshoot beer company unwind. And if you are on the West Coast listening to our podcast, go go get some. I mean, seriously, this yeah. brewery is literally <laughs> made. And it seems like everything that the brewery does is made to be an interesting beer that doesn't. Mm hmm. That's the vibe that I got. And exactly. that's, that's what that's makes why it so like interesting to me. It. And then I'm really sad that it's on the opposite coast. They they know loyalty to a certain style. They don't care about what style it is. They care about what taste it mm-hmm. tastes like. Is this beer good? And then I don't care. I feel like that's a philosophy that more breweries should adapt to. I feel like like yes, you need you, a good you, mix you of that in your have, breweries. You do have to have like one or two core beers that are going to appeal to anyone that's going to walk in your brewery. But otherwise, if you have the expertise and the know-how, like do what you're going to do. Make the best beer that you can, even if it's in small batches. I, I don't know. I really I appreciate their philosophy a lot. No, I do. And, you know, you look at breweries around here like Tribus. Mm-hmm. It's a bunch of guys probably our age or even younger. Doing what they were doing at first Tribus. First time we went there, we went there like the first week they were open. Yeah. All right. Some beers were bad. Some beers were good. Stout was amazing. I don't, yeah. I don't know if it's Capulous. But that, I think Tribus, it was, was tri- it Baby Cakes? Maybe. Tri- Tribus knows a Stout. They knew a Stout from day one. They do. And then within the first six months, like they just got it down and they've been better and better and better. Yeah, and they've better evolved and better. so quickly. Tribus beers are Tribus beers. They just taste like Tribus beers and that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure anyone listening who's not around Connecticut knows a brewery that's like that. Mm-hmm. This is that brewery. It only tastes like a beer from that brewery, but it's great. It doesn't behold, it doesn't find themselves beholden to a certain style other than their own style. Yeah. Two Roads is our favorite brewery, but I feel like the main brewery is- They do tend to stick to certain stick styles. Stick to certain styles, and that's fine. It also teaches you a lot about beer, mm-hmm. and also you're guaranteed a certain flavor, and that's fantastic. Yeah. But then you got Area 2, where then Phil gets to- Play. Play and <laughs> make nuts, balls to the wall stuff like his hot sauce aged in rum barrel uh, stout or <laughs> whatever the hell that was. Yeah. Uh, it was awesome and interesting and unique. And this brewery is trying to do something similar. And it's yeah. like, break the conventions of regular beer and every beer will be the same. I don't have to go, oh, well, it tastes like grapefruit. <laughs> this tastes some, like something different. It yeah. really does taste like those kind of summary flaked Odie beers that I was really digging mm-hmm. uh, the a few episodes in the summer mixed with Sauvignon Blanc, a wine that's very fancy and very unique. It's just a question of where I find it falls into my drinking schedule, but it does. Yeah. The time of year, the time of day. <laughs> it does fall on my drinking schedule. I would say this is a year round beer. Yeah. I know I mean, this is a, a beach, but they're in California. Mm-hmm. It's always beach weather yeah. where they are. I would say this is a year round beer, even in the wintertime. Yeah. And that's why it is available year round. Yep. Any final thoughts on this beer? Go get it. Yeah. (laughs) Unwind by Offshoot Beer Company, also known as The Brewery, because that is their main brewery. Yep. If you can find one or both, get it. I will definitely, I'm pretty sure that our local liquor store had another beer from Offshoot. Um, This was the one that I chose, like I said, specifically because it had the Nelson Salvin hops, but I'll 
definitely be picking up more if they have it. I'm going to try something from the brewery. I'm going to try something from a brewery that dares to say I'll never make an IPA. <laughs> I mean, IPAs are my favorite type of beer, but respect for someone who doesn't like, like just goes fuck you to the masses, I guess. Like yeah. that's like pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, pretty stupid maybe, but then your other beer has to be really, really good to make yeah. a difference. Which it so. sounds like it is with their master. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Cheers to them. All right. So uh, yeah, check it out. And thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. If you enjoyed it, please rate it, review it, and share it with your friends. Subscribe to catch our future episodes. You can find us on crackinwhenopen.com or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at crackinwhenopen, or shoot us an email at crackinwhenopen at gmail.com. Looking at you off shoot. <laughs> with any comments, questions, or suggestions, because we want to hear from you. We want to talk to you. We, we want to interview you. If you're a brewer, yeah, we want to talk to you and interview you. Yeah. yeah. All right. What you got to plug? Buy my audiobooks. <laughs> so I do audiobooks that are available on Audible. I've got a whole bunch of books. Sour, which is a gangster heist British book, kind of in the vein of a uh, Guy Ritchie novel. I've also got a bunch of horror novels. Sour. Coffee at Midnight, Progressive Entrapment, The Final Girl, my upcoming The Murderer of Kelly Christopher, which is a mystery novel. Check them out. Buy them. I don't get paid unless you buy those books. So do me a favor and help me get out of my day job. I've also got Forgotten Cinema that I do with my buddy Mike Field, where we talk about films that for some reason seem to be forgotten by audiences, whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We discuss what we love about the film, maybe don't love about it, but we always recommend you revisit it. You can find us on ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com as we are part of the Forgotten Entertainment family or wherever you find your podcast. We release every Wednesday on the social medias every day. We do a fun commercial every Thursday about the movie we're doing. I've also got Two Player Bros, a podcast I do with my buddy Dave, where two guys who play way too many video games during me and my buddy Dave, where we talk about all things PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendo, PC, VR. We have it all. We play it all. Two Player Bros available every single Thursday on twoplayerbros.com or forgottenentertainment.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Very nice. Yeah. And a special thanks for our theme, which was composed and performed by Joe Reichert. Until next time. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.